Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Uh, It's good to be in the house of the Lord together and good to worship with you. This is Christ the King Sunday. So for those of you who are familiar with the church calendar and and how it kind of ebbs and flows through the seasons of the year, this is Christ the King Sunday. It's the final year or final Sunday of the church calendar year, which means next week is Advent, uh, which means Christmas is right around the corner Uh, And yet today is a day in which we celebrate Christ as our King, Christ as our our Lord and and Savior. And so as we journey with the calendar year, it's important to to remember that and to to let that shape and guide us uh, in our our journey through the the church year. Um, And it's just good good to be with you. Uh, today. Uh, as we finished out this church calendar year, I, I told you we'd be turning to the Old Testament readings, um, and so we're doing that again today, turning to Second Samuel chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to, to pull those out um, and to um, uh, turn with me to the 23rd chapter of Second Samuel. We'll be reading today uh, the first seven verses of that chapter. Uh, for those who are willing and able out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand as we read 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 through 7. These are David's last words. This is the declaration of Jesse's son, David, the declaration of a man raised high, a man anointed by the God of Jacob, a man favored by the strong one of Israel. The Lord's Spirit speaks through me. His word is on my tongue. Israel's God has spoken. Israel's rock said to me, Whoever rules rightly over people, whoever rules in the fear of God, is like the light of sunrise on a morning with no clouds, like the bright gleam after the rain that brings grass from the ground. Yes, my house is this way with God. He has made an eternal covenant with me, laid out and secure in every detail. Yes, he provides every one of my victories and brings my every desire to pass. But despicable people are like thorns, all of them good for nothing because they can't be carried by hand. No one can touch them except with iron bar or the shaft of a spear. They must be burned up with fire right on the spot. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. I don't know how many of you are are readers. (laughs) 
murmur trickles out over the crowd. I try to be a good reader. And by good reader, I mean one who reads a lot. Um, and yet I, I struggle with it. I'll confess, there, there's always too much good stuff to be read. Um, and it seems like never enough time. Um, I, I'm aware that I make, I make choices about my time management. And what that means is I'm not choosing to read. I feel like I'm lecturing myself up here. Um, <laughs> And on top of that, the, the latest advent of, of podcasts to listen to and their shows to watch, and you can really consume a ton of time with all of it, right? It can be overwhelming with all the content that's out there. But there is this weird breed of person that exists. Now, I'm going to be real gentle to this breed of person because they might be represented here this morning, but there's this weird breed of person that exists, and, and while I'm careful, I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with that description of weird. Um, do any of you like to read, but you read the end of the book first to see if it's going to be a book? Hey, hey, yeah, a couple of you. To see if it's going to be a book that you're going to enjoy. Now, for some of you, you're going, Why? Why would you do that? And I confess, I'm in that group. I don't understand. Um, I'm not sure what the point is. But, but for some people, that's really important in evaluating the books that they're going to read. They just open the last few pages and say, okay, yeah, I like this ending. This is going to be worth, worth my time. Some of you are going, oh, oh, what? Um, I remember growing up, and some of you will remember too, the Choose Your Own Adventure book series. Anybody? Does anybody remember these? Okay, not as many people as I was hoping for. Um, in these books, you would come to this point in the story, and the author would say, what do you want your character to do? If you want them to do option A, then turn to this page. If you want to do option B, turn to this page. And so you could read this book over and over, making different choices for the character, and, and read a different story. And sometimes... The character would die a miserable death because of the choices that I made. And other times, all was happy as happily ever after. I confess, on the Choose Your Own Adventure books, I would, I would take the time to say, read all the endings, because at the end of the story, and then choose the one I wanted. And then, like, okay, what, what, what choice led to this? And I would backtrack a ways, find my way through the book, and then just read this wonderful story where all was happy and wonderful. Whenever I just started reading the book, though, I would always end up killing the character off. I don't know what that says about my choices. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. It was really traumatic for me. So if you were le with us uh, last week, the lectionary took us to the very beginning of 1 Samuel. We read from 1 Samuel chapter 1. We talked about Hannah's prayer at the temple of Shiloh and her long obedience. We've spent time there. Today, the Old Testament lectionary reading kind of zooms us all the way near the end of 2 Samuel, kind of almost as bookends of this story that's told by this two-volume set of writings, the books of Samuel, with what's labeled in, you know, the headings that aren't part of Scripture, but kind of help divide the different sections of Scripture. The heading are, of this section was called David's Last Words. 
They're not really his last words. He ends up speaking a little bit more. Um, but he goes on to chapter 24, and, and actually his story continues a little bit on into 1 Kings, which is the next book of the Bible, past 2 Samuel. Um, and eventually he dies uh, as an old man in chapter 2 of 1 Kings. Um, so when it says David's last words, I want to I encourage you, don't get too distracted by that. It's not technically um, accurate, but these histories were told with purpose. These were, this was meant to be David's last proclamation as king, his last words as leader and ruler to the people of the nation of Israel. But I kind of feel like we're reading the back pages of of the book here. We've kind of skipped ahead. We've kind of jumped ahead in the story of the books of Samuel. Uh, what has happened in these two books, First and Second Samuel, are these narrative books with all this ins and outs, all these happenings going on. And so it starts with, with Hannah at Shiloh who, who commits to giving, giving the child that she would eventually bear over and back to God. She has a son. She names him Samuel, the namesake of both of these books, uh, and, and served as, as Israel's final judge. But in 1 Samuel chapter 8, the nation of Israel looks around and says, all these other nations get a king. Why can't we have a king? God, give us a king. We really like to be like everybody around us. Give us a king, God. Sound like a terrible idea to Samuel? God says, Go ahead, anoint, anoint a king. Uh, Samuel, Samuel really tries to pitch to, to Israel, this isn't, this isn't going to be great. This isn't going to be wonderful. It says the king will take your sons and daughters to use for armies and for service. They'll take your best land for the royal vineyards. They'll take your cattle. But God acquiesces to the people of Israel and says, give them what they want. Samuel finds Saul. Saul is Israel's first king. You'll, you'll, some of you will remember this story, but, but Saul makes some pretty huge blunders along the way. Doesn't follow God's instructions, and, and Samuel and God reject Saul's reign and instead anoints King David. David makes some mistakes too along the way. Uh, he, he is contrite and repents uh, and turns from the errors that he has made, but becomes for Israel the measure against whom all other kings will be judged. If we could just go back to like it was in the years of King David. This is the narrative, the history that we find in First and Second Samuel. Um, some great stories, some great stories of adventure, some great stories of, of leadership. <laughs> some pretty big blunders and mistakes in First and Second Samuel. And this is what's going on. So at the end of David's reign, when he comes to this moment of his, his final words to the nation of Israel, it's not simple victory. It's not all, hey, look at all the good and wonderful and great days that we have had. David didn't rule in a straight line. David didn't always get it right. David wasn't perfect in his leadership. David was at points very broken unstable and unsteady, making unwise choices, very human. At other points along his journey, he was full of grace and mercy, was humble, was penitent, repentant. He was very foolish and yet very wise. He was lifted up and yet at times brought 
very low. But it's in this last proclamation, probably not his last words before his death, not on his, not on his deathbed, but maybe this final official proclamation as king, we see maybe that David's learned a few things in his life. We, we, we sense this depth of understanding that comes with age. <laughs> maybe he's learned a little bit to, to measure his words, to add conditions. Look at verse 5. He says, my house is this way. He had been talking about how, how the house of, of his rule had been blessed. And yet he says, my house is this way with God. That when God broke in at those moments and at those times when, when God led my steps, he said it was like the light of the sunrise. I... We moved to Idaho now almost two years ago, which is amazing. I can't believe it's been that long. It's been wonderful. But one thing I love about Idaho, as opposed to Washington, is that there's not clouds here all the time. <laughs> Sometimes you get to see the sun rise, and it explodes with color across the horizon and overhead. Pinks and oranges and purples with maybe a few clouds that pick up different accents of color along the edge, not this thick blanket of gray. <laughs> like the light of the sunrise is the house with God, as I have led in those moments, it's like the light that breaks across the horizon and floods the skies with color like a morning with no clouds, like the bright gleam after rain bringing grass up from the ground. By now, by now, maybe David had this understanding. It had come to the point where he understood and realized that to, to lead with God was not a given. That he could reflect upon his life and, and say there were times where I tried to go it alone. I forgot God had blessed me with this chance. This chance to lead, this chance to serve in this way. And realize the importance of staying in covenant and staying in connection with God that had escaped him at points earlier in his life. He was certainly aware of God's commitment that had landed upon his life. He has made an eternal covenant with me, laid out and secure. And it would be the house of David that would, that would trace Israel's history and give them hope and give them assurance as they'd entered into the time of waiting that we will soon enter into next week, this time of waiting for Messiah to come. For us, a, a short four-Sunday journey for them, one that lasted centuries and centuries. To some degree, I kind of struggle with this whole idea of the celebration of Christ as king. Not that Christ doesn't deserve it. Not that Christ hasn't been crowned. But that Christ has to own being king. There's a definite sense of an, an already crowned king, but also a not yet crowned king. And the kingship of Christ. I sense that in a personal way. 
right? The, the desire for Christ to reign and to rule, to declare his lordship over my life. And yet I still struggle. I still struggle to, to offer that place to Christ, to, to allow God to rule and to reign, to allow God to have complete control of my life. I know that you struggle with that too at times. We're not perfect, that we still fail. And it's beautiful in, in Scripture that we see characters who desired that as well and yet struggled with the same journey. I see that in our world as well, not only personally, but in the world in which we live. This belief and trust that Christ is in fact king and has been anointed and, and, and does rule as king in this world in which we live, has authority and is sovereign, but so much we see today in this world is broken. And divided evil still happens. It seems like chaos reigns sometimes. Good people end up suffering. And bad people luck out sometimes and avoid consequence. Or worse yet, are rewarded. And yet here it stands in the middle of our rhythm of worship, Christ the King Sunday, where we gather and we proclaim our belief that Christ is in fact King. And we declare that even in the midst of the chaos and even in the midst of the pain and the struggle. Christ is our King. Christ is our Lord. Christ is our Savior. I went back a little bit to the, this past week and, and did a little research about Christ the King Sunday. It, it's not an ancient tradition. It's not something that's been around for a long time. It actually began in the 1920s, beginning of the, the 20th century, post-World War I, um, and kind of in response to this increasing secularization, this movement towards, towards human government and towards technology and the things we were discovering And the church established this Sunday to kind of stand in the face of that, stand opposed to any allegiance that we would make that might supersede our commitment to Christ, to our King. That in a time of, of development and technology and out of the chaos of the First World War, the one to end all wars, The church made this stand, for Christ is our king, for we have no other allegiance before Christ. No creed that we follow above Christ. What a challenge to our day and age today. It's 100 years later. It's not 1920, but it's 2020. And we find ourselves again in this place, in this time of history when commitments to opinions and ideologies and strongly held beliefs have become something to fight for, <laughs> something to stand up for, something that we feel and we see people making deep and solid commitments to. And here we come to this Sunday at the end of our church calendar year, and it says... For Christ is our king. 
For Christ is what unifies us. Christ is what brings us together. We may have different opinions. We may have different held beliefs. But today, we hold the banner high that Christ is our king and Christ comes first. Sometimes in my agency, sometimes in in the influence that I have, in our influence and in our power, we fail to remember Christ is, is our king, and as our king, as our model, our example, he's the one that, that we allow to chart the course of our life. Christ is. Certainly not your pastor. <laughs> certainly not our nation's leaders. Certainly not our Facebook feed. Certainly not our cable news. Christ is our king, and Christ unifies us today. Amen, church? Is this true? This is a message that we need in 2020. Maybe that's why. 2021, thank you. Almost 2022. (laughs) Maybe that's why on Christ the King Sunday, we're steered back to 2 Samuel, to this final proclamation of King David. King David, who, who had seen the good days, and who had seen the bad days, who had been anointed king and then was trying to be killed by the old king, who had a chance to kill that old king and chose to spare his life, saying, I will not lay a hand on the the Lord's anointed. This final proclamation of King David. I was reading Marcia Shoup's writing on this passage this week, uh, and she reflected on this short passage. She writes this, God's faithfulness, God's effectiveness, and God's character are held up here as the cornerstones of the just use of power. The kingship that was David's is not to be scrutinized in terms of raw power. Its worth and legitimacy rest in justice and the fear of God. Even with the shortcomings of David's rule, even with his missteps, bad decisions, and indiscretions, he remains in covenant with God. The message for our church today, the message for us as we stand in 2021, and we're about to turn the corner into 2022, the message for us is we remain in covenant with God. We walk this twisted and and turning road that was started by King David many years ago, back at the end of 2 Samuel, when he realized this is the beginning of a covenant with the people of God, to our Lord and Savior, to our Creator God. And we walk in that journey. We walk in that legacy. Today, as we close, I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. We're going to sing one last song before we go. And I guess that this is where I I feel this text truly challenges us in our walk. How does this speak to you and how does this speak to me? How do we remain in and walk in covenant with God like David? He certainly didn't live a a flawless life. (laughs) He certainly didn't have this incredible legacy of of consistent perfection. But warts and all, he chose to journey in covenant with God, desperately relying upon the hope and the grace that he found in covenant with God.
And as we transition into Advent next week, what a reminder for us. What a reminder. Today, we celebrate Christ as king. It is a kingdom that is, is both realized, for, for we get to be the kingdom of God in this place. We get to exalt Christ as king. But out in the world, that kingship can be hard to find. But we go as ambassadors. We go as little pieces of the kingdom into our places of work and into our schools and into our homes and into the relationships that we have, into the marketplace to declare the reality. Christ is king today. And there's little glimpses that we can catch in you and in me as we go about our week. It is a kingdom that is both realized in the now but also expected in the not yet. For God will come, Christ will return and be anointed king. King not only of his world but king of this world. Truly Christ is our King. And next week as we enter into that watchful waiting of Advent that embodies this expectant coming of the Christ child, we will begin the journey again. The journey towards the manger. And then the journey to the cross. Only to come to this point again next year where we'll need to hear again, Christ is our King. Amen. Let's pray before we sing. God, thank you for this chance. Thank you for the chance to, to be your people, to worship you today, and to place you in your rightful place, for you are our king. Remind us of that this week. Teach us about that, Lord. And most of all, may we go as ambassadors. May we go as representatives, little pieces of your kingdom. where the attitudes of the day will not dictate our response, the struggle and the contention that surrounds us will not be our guiding light. But we will declare with our voices and with our actions, you are our Lord and you are our King this day. We worship you, Father. Thank you for being with us as we uh, offer this prayer of benediction. And I also invite you to extend your hands just as this physical reminder that we received, that received this benediction uh, today. Lord, fill our imagination with both the realized present and the hopeful future expectation of Christ as King. And may we walk daily in faithful covenant with Christ as our King. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.